Well, it's not too often we get a chance on the OHL podcast to talk to somebody who played for Burt Templeton and Ted Nolan, even though it was Ted Nolan for a brief time. But that's the case this week as we welcome Dave Lilac to the podcast. Great to have you, Dave. You're in your hotel room in Quebec, but you're still making time for us on the pod. Really appreciate that. Thanks, Mike. It's uh, I was honored when you reached out and um, yeah, I do have some good stories. There's, I played for some legendary coaches and um, had a lot of great teammates along the way. So I'm looking forward to this time again. I have no doubt that you do. And I, I did a little bit of recon myself just to find out what people are saying about Dave Lilac. So we'll see where all of this goes. But you, you mentioned that on the trip to uh, Quebec, you were able to catch up on some previous episodes. And I guess maybe it was a bit of a trip down memory lane for you. It is. I mean, it, it's funny that you, you say that because uh, I'm, I'm more connected with a lot of the former teammates today uh, than I was the first 10 years out of the game. So Washer, uh, Joel Washcroft, I listened to, and he's just, I mean, he's comedy anywhere you bump, anywhere, anywhere you bump into him. I coached uh, Keenan some summer hockey and I never played with Joel, but we're good buddies. Um, Tony Aub I played with in, in Phoenix. Uh, 99, 2000, I listened to that podcast and it was, uh, even just hearing Tony's stories, um, cause I'm a few years younger. I was a fan of that era of Lindros and, and Sault Ste. Marie, um, saw Tony fight Eric in Oshawa. I was probably 14 or 15 at the time. Um, and then having the opportunity to play with these guys after it's, uh, it's good to hear their stories as well. It sounds like we cut our teeth as fans in the same era because you probably heard me mention to Tony that I was a kid going to Kitchener Rangers games when the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds would come in and Tony was public enemy number one for the fans because he was such a bruiser out there. Yeah, I mean, I was such a fan of the OHL the few years prior to playing in the league um, because of Eric Lindros being right there in my hometown. I was in Whitby. Um, you know, Mike Torch is another name I played with in senior hockey, and, and I lined up through the night to get tickets to the Kitchener-Oshawa OHL finals and seeing Steve Rice, another former teammate, and uh, Torch, and uh, and then going to Cops Coliseum with my my Bantam team. Kevin Weeks was on, and our Toronto Red Wings team went to Cops Coliseum to watch that uh, that epic Memorial Cup final with uh, with Oshawa and Kitchener. Everybody that I talked to, Dave, I don't think I'm going to get a much different answer from you, but that that was the Memorial Cup, was it not? And frankly, I think it put junior hockey on the map in this country. It was unbelievable. I mean, and you can go down the list, the, the Dale Craig Walls and the Ian Frasers, and these were people, uh, players and people in my community that I looked at like um, celebrities, really. They were like, it was at that level in Oshawa at the time in the OHL and all you really had, Mike, back then was that CHL magazine. You'd see a guy on the cover of it. And that was kind of, that was my Instagram for hockey. You just couldn't wait to for a new publication. And um, you'd read it cover to cover over and over again. And then you'd go to see these guys live. And I think they they had a lot more nostalgia um, because we didn't have the access we do today with social media. I'd forgotten all about that magazine. That's a great reference. And, you know, Dave, I always like to do these chronologically because I'm a little bit anal that way, but I can't help but think about what you said at the very beginning that, you know, it was 10 years after your playing days that some of these relationships started to form and, and blossom and that you keep them to this day, maybe more so than you did in, in the early days after playing. And I, I wonder when you look back on a hockey career and 
you had you had a whale you some travels i mean you must have had a well-packed suitcase all the time yeah. in your hockey career but when you look back on it now what how how do you view it i mean I, I get the sense it might be more about the people you met than the games you played it's a great question um suitcase is a real word and it's uh and i'm not embarrassed i was for a little while like you could travel around you're trying to fit in and then i look back at it now in my late 40s and uh, i wouldn't trade it in for for anything the the cities i got to live in uh the people i got to meet the um the experiences i had in all the different cities in the united states um it was a it was a ride i went back to college after and, and I, I wouldn't trade it in. when i see now in the work world uh, how expensive it is for a family to go on vacation experience phoenix or go to san antonio and see the riverwalk and having lived in all these places and playing against Nashville and Memphis. And uh, it was uh, it was really cool. And I got to do it playing hockey and met a lot of great people along the way. Back to your original comment, um, having kids really kind of gets you around the rinks and you run into, you know, ex-teammates, Brad Brown, I've seen in Ottawa and Washer I, I talked about. And uh, the, list is, the list goes on and on and on. I remember uh, Derek Grant, who I played with for a number of years, um, he was down in North Carolina and in Roanoke and our kids were the same age at the O1 level. Um, I coached for about 10 years between my son and daughter and you bump into everybody in the ranks. Everybody's got kids, different age groups, um, playing rep hockey, whether it be uh, male or female. And just, you just connect like that. I, the same thing Washer and Tony said, you bump into guys and you pick up right where you left off. One of the names that I picked up in doing a little bit of research before this conversation is one you haven't mentioned yet, and you would have been with them just for that brief moment of time towards the end of your junior career in Guelph, but that's Jeff O'Neill, and I understand the two of you are still pretty tight. Yeah, Jeff was, uh, he was the best man at my wedding. Uh, we had a great friendship. We had that year. That was probably, um, if I could kind of categorized my junior career as a late bloomer. I was, you know, when we went to the Sioux at 16, um, it took me a couple of years to grow up, but everything, everything that happened in Guelph happened for a reason. And we had that, we had that run. We had a great team. Um, Mike Kelly and Craig Hartsburg and, and uh, Jeff and Todd Bertuzzi was there. Um, Jeff is, he, he was the best player or one of the best players in the Canadian Hockey League. Uh, we hit it off off the ice and uh, on the ice and remain still uh, good friends. Just golfed with him a week or so ago. Um, so I, I enjoy following him on the air on uh, on TSN there. So he's doing a great job. I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah, we stay he in is. touch. And I wonder if you ever take a moment, Dave, to like chirp him for a, a take he had on his broadcast. What's that? Sorry. Do you ever, really? do you ever take him, like, do you ever chirp him? Hey, 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 oh dog, that was a terrible take on whatever. I, I mean, we we go back and forth, and he knows he calls himself out more than anything. Um, he's uh, not really. I mean, he does such a great job. He's the personality of that team, and um, you know, there's a couple times he he references his friends or whatever, and we talked about it after. And he's he knows the lines, what can be said uh, on air, off air. We've all grown up now. We have kids, and uh, you know, like when we were when we were kids, we were eighteen, nineteen. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. When you're a part of a team like that team in Guelph, Dave, because you, you mentioned Jeff O'Neill was at the time one of the best players in the Canadian Hockey League, and, and you're not blowing smoke. That's, that's a fact. When you've got yeah. a player of that caliber 
on your team? What does it do for the rest of the team? What's that what's it like in practice and then in game situations? It was um, going there was a dream come true to end your hockey career, to see the work ethic of uh, Todd, uh, Jamie Wright, Jeff. We can go on and on and on, uh, Ruminadur. But it all started with Craig that year. Um, I know they had some different coaches and Jeff was there at the beginning when uh, it was a little rockier times in Guelph. And then they built the team over a few years. But to, to answer your question, the work ethic from day one when I arrived there uh, was in the fall. Um, it was at the highest level from, from Craig Hartsburg down. And um, he held the big guys accountable and, and the rest fed down. And that just went on and through the entire year. And the playoffs, I had, I had some made some mental notes just to talk a bit about that because I thought um, as good as the coaches are that I've had around my travels, um, I thought Craig, uh, he, he just, he, he made you aware of what, what, it, what a day was going to be like or what next week was going to be like. So it wasn't a surprise. He would call it fitness rather than a bag skate. So we would, it was just, you knew it was coming. You put the hard work in uh, similar to like an NFL schedule. Then you'd work on specialty teams and get into the weekends. And it just, it worked. I think we had two home losses that year. Um, and talking about discipline, the two home losses, one came to Sudbury and I, I, it's been a long, long time, but I believe a couple of the top guys had skipped school probably for the first time that whole year. And Sudbury was a powerhouse and they were coming in town. And I don't think we had a home loss yet, um, but to the rules of the team, they got sat out and we lost. And it was just kind of a, an eye-opener at, at a good time in the year that nobody's bigger than anybody. And uh, it just bonded the team. Not that, that individual event, but it just let you know that that team was serious. It was a great, it was a spectacular year right to the end. It sounds like that's kind of all you really want from a coach isn't it? You want that you, you want the understanding of what's expected of you. And then you talk about, you know, the way it's broken down. So you know, what's going to be happening and it's your job then as the player, just to, to follow what is expected of you. Yeah. Craig and um, Craig Hartsburg, Mike Kelly, they over communicated. Um, you were in their office all the time, good or bad. Uh, they'd ask you how you're doing. You know, there was just that constant contact. Um, and they did it with everybody. You know, I would have been in that bottom half of the, uh, but they treated everybody the same. Everybody bought in and um, it just kept growing and growing. We added a couple pieces. I think when I went there, I was the only non-drafted storm player on that entire roster. And that says a lot about the commitment they've made to their players. Um, and then we added uh, Pat, uh, Pat Barton came back. Um, I believe from the East Coast at the end of the year and we traded for Neil Futher and Stefan Soulier. And that was basically, um, basically about it. Andrew Norman, I think came from the Sioux and that was the, that was the team we made a run with. Yeah. And, and you kind of know that you're there to make a run, right? Yeah. And I was, I was 19. Um, and I just wanted to contribute any way I could. I was, whether it was to get in a fight, I was working with Pat Barton on the bag. I wasn't naturally a fighter, but I, you had to find a way to contribute. Um, we just had such a, a broad team of, talent and toughness and um and we had some great young guys too uh brian wiesenberg and jason jackman uh Dwayne hay so it was just a good all-around team um but craig and mike never let anybody um get above of what we were what the goal was and i mean we lost 
I'll be honest, I, it, it, it haunts you when we talk with, with buddies about it, but it was uh, essentially the Brian Burrard show down in Detroit in the finals. And he single-handedly, it was kind of Bobby Orish, to be honest with you. He, uh, he had a phenomenal playoffs and we lost to uh, Detroit in the OHL finals. They went on to that Memorial Cup, I guess it would be 95. How much does that, I mean, because you came so close, Dave, how much does that still stay with you? Oh my God. You, if you, you've never met anybody that's been so close to Memorial Cups. It's, I could run you through it. So it's uh, going to the Sioux at a, as a 16 year old. Uh, I'm sure you're aware they were hosting the Memorial Cup that year. So going there, they had a team. I think they had nine guys uh, in pro camp. I, I wasn't ready yet, to be honest with you, at 16. That, that team, when you talk about being a fan, had just come off. You were talking to Tony about it. Back to back Memorial Cup appearances with Tony. And Tony left. So, I mean, when I go there, um, there's no room to play. And they're, they are absolutely star-studded. And you're at 16. You're just, you're, you, want, you want to work hard, but you're happy to be there. So getting traded to North Bay, um, it was probably, you know, it was a nice thought that Sean Ember and I went there. I was a 16-year-old because you know that somebody else wants you and you're going to get to play. But it stings. You watch it on TV. They won the Memorial Cup at home. And then, uh, you know, and then you grow and you develop and, and a couple uh, years go by and North Bay had gone to the, the Memorial Cup. They didn't win, but they, they went to Quebec. Um, and then to lose in Guelph to have, when you're only in the league for three years, and then to have an opportunity to see um, three Memorial Cups within a year or two with the organizations. Yeah, it's close. It's a hard championship to get to, that's for sure, when you're only in the league for a few years. So you mentioned before, and we just touched on the Sioux, you, you there for basically that cup of coffee. But as a 16-year-old from Whitby to Sioux St. Marie, Eric Lindros didn't go there. How did it feel as a, as a 16-year-old kid saying, okay, I'm going to the furthest north team in the Ontario Hockey League? I was all in. Um, like I said, I just, I've had 25 years plus to, to think about it. And would you do things differently? You would. But if you were 16 again, would you do things differently? It's um, you go there and you they're five or six lines deep of, uh, you know, Aaron Gaby, Ralph and Trenubo, Drew Bannister. Like you could go on and on and on. Um, so you're, you're rotating with some rookies to get some game time and you're happy to be there. Don't have anything bad to say that it was it was um, it was a first class organization. You were just you were thrilled to be there and see we did the summer training in Kitchener. Um, you know, and they were talking about three-peat uh, all summer long. That was the goal. And uh, they had that super series with Peterborough to host the Memorial Cup, and they won that. Actually, they lost the OHL championship to Peterborough, but won the super series um, to host the Memorial Cup. And, uh, yeah, to win it on home ice, I was, I was thrilled for them because you felt like you were a part of it. Um, that's who drafted you. So it, was, uh, it stung for a long time, Mike. But... Um, you get over it. I've used it, to be honest with you, some of those things when you're that young. Um, I'm using those skills now. Like it develops you uh, in my career, recruiting, um, how to deal with people. So it's, uh, it's all a learning process. The same thing in North Bay. If, if Bert was still here, um, I was mad for a long time the way he, we, we worked with each other. And uh, he was a great guy. But uh, I probably had some choice words for him. He had his um, he had his ways. He was very very stubborn, 
And if it didn't fit in and it didn't always for me, then uh, you were, I was frustrated. But then looking back, if I could have a beer with him today, because he liked to have the odd beer, is, uh, you know, you'd thank him because there was things you didn't know that he was teaching you. Um, he just was, uh, it was very old school. Like, you know, you talk to Washer and they're talking about Mav and, and Killer and that's, that was Bert. Like those guys were the, uh, the pioneers of, you kind of have to, you have to do it and figure it out on your own. Whereas I felt Mike and Craig, um, they approached it a little bit differently and I was a little more mature and you could figure out, okay, now I know what to do. Now I got, now I've got control of it. But you're on your own when you're going into that league at that era. Bert was about as hard-nosed as they came in this league. And even as a guy on the media side, intimidating as hell, Dave, I'll just be honest about it. I, I would say I said the same thing about Pete DeBoer when I covered him in Kitchener for crying out loud. But you, 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 you talk about that relationship that you can reflect back on now and perhaps look at a little differently and would love to have that beer. What was it like for you then with a presence and, and a stubbornness like that of Bert Templeton's? You, you relied on your teammates that trusted Bert because you have to build that trust. So I remember, you know, you talked to Dennis Bombi and Jeff Chevalier and they had been with him for a couple of years when they were winning before they traded uh, Chad Penny, Penny and Wade Gibson to the Sioux. So I, I got there in a little bit of a downslide and, um, you know, they, they, you had to really rely on your teammates, but Bert was, um, you know, all the stories. He sat at the back of the bus, he'd have his cooler beers. And so it was the only team I've been a part of in my life where, you know, the vets would sit closer to the front of the bus because the coach sat at the back and um, he had his downtime. And, you know, it was funny. I look back at, I would probably be more similar to Bert than I know um, coaching. Like he would have a beer with uh, Mav after a Belleville game or you'd have buddies on Belleville and, uh, you know, their team would be hanging around. They, they had really great relationships, but uh, yeah, there was nobody more intense. He, if you're scoring uh, or doing the little things, you were rewarded. And uh, I was trying to figure myself out. Like, in my minor hockey day, I'm going to be scoring. Um, should I be fighting? Like, it just takes your time to figure out what it is that you, you can do to contribute on your timeline. And uh, yeah, so again, it's just you look back on it, you reflect. And uh, but yeah, no, no ill, nothing like that. I learned a lot from Bert. I get the sense that when you play for Burt Templeton, not fighting is not an option. I mean, at some point you're going to have to stand up and be counted for. Yeah. And that, that's, that wasn't the issue. My struggle with when you're, so in the early nineties, you're over six foot. If you're not scoring, you've got to be doing something. And I kept waiting for um, that offensive game to come. And then you're caught in, you're caught in the middle. Whereas if, yeah, if you had a regret, if you could do it over again, um, would I want to be fighting game in and game out? No. Um, but just going out and that's the game was so different than today, as you know, from, from being around it and all your other guests that it's, uh, it was tough. It was a tough game. And, uh, every team was built with scores. Um, you could go on new games. Some teams that have five or six tough guys and, uh, yeah, you had to, so with Bert to, to, to get back on that, probably. Like if you went out and you showed him early um, that that was a part of your makeup, then yeah, he would, he would, uh, or if you're scoring 50 goals, he doesn't mind that either. <laughs> you know, you get me thinking though, Dave, because this just came up in a recent conversation about the game today. And I love the way you just described it 
when you played it, right? You might have a, a team with five or six tough guys on it. You can almost pick those layers of teams. Whereas today, good luck finding the guy on the team that can't skate. Good luck finding the guy on the team that doesn't have hands to at least some degree. How do you feel about the game from when you played it compared to what it's become today? It's a great question. Um, I'm kind of torn. The I love the skill. I love seeing Matthews and Marner. I love that excitement. Um, but I miss the characters. So in in uh, and I don't want to age myself, but the in that era, you had the highest skill dominating one two lines, and the same with the D, great goalie. And then it was you know very typical to like a video game, and you had that bottom two lines and the bottom D could be flat out scary tough and you know you go into Sudbury on a Saturday night or you go to Windsor um and and you know all the characters that from that era it, it was tough and if you if the games got away or it would just be tough from from start to finish I think there's got to be kind of an in-between I heard you talking to Tony about it um fighting shouldn't be gone from the game like it's uh but there's the staged fighting um is probably you know that that's probably, but the toughness, being able to police the situation, um, I think was a better game, to be honest with you. And that I think there's a hybrid somewhere in the middle um, where there was some policing going on. There was a lot more respect. You know, if you had a Jeff O'Neill running around and somebody came to bother them, then you had a room in the juror stepping in. And they, I, I like that part of it. Um, but yeah, every player in junior now, right down to the fourth line, skates like Sidney Crosby. I was going to touch on that when I, I scouted for Guelph for a little bit, and I was like, I can't figure this out. Like the, the the lowest kids on depth charts are skating at the highest level because they're doing all of the the year round training. It's incredible. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And you got me thinking of something else when you talk about going into Sudbury on a Saturday night and knowing who the characters are, which makes me think of rivalries, Dave. And, and if I'm being honest with you, uh, you know, you mentioned the CHL magazine was the Instagram of back in the day. I, I think that players are so connected to one another in the game today. They might have come up together through minor or whatever. I, I don't find the rivalries quite the same. Who was the biggest for you when you played? Was it the Sudbury Wolves when you were in North Bay? It was 100%. And even in the Sioux, um, I, I, I just found myself, this is the, the silliness of being immature when you're 16. So I go into an exhibition game in Sudbury, uh, with the Sioux. It was kind of funny, actually. We, they had a, they had a, um, a guy writing an article and he wanted to get the true experience of the game and dress. So we were all told pregame that this gentleman's going to be playing, um, I don't even remember actually if it was with the Sioux or North Bay that this happened. I'm pretty sure it was with the Sioux. And uh, somebody laid him out. And we were told before the game that he's a reporter. He's pretty weak. But he wanted to, in his book or his article, he wanted to write about the experience of playing on the ice in an OHL game. So that, that caused a huge ruckus. And then uh, the same game, I'm sure you're familiar with the guy I'm going to mention. So I'm 16. I was like, I got to make this team. There's, there's no way in hell you're going to make it. You're not going to score a hat trick this game. So I lined up and I fought Gary Coupel, who I knew the year prior. Um, he was playing in Muskoka and I was in St. Mike. So I knew, I knew who he was. Um, he was a tough guy. And uh, yeah, he beat me up pretty good. I had a goose egg 
on the front of my forehead. The trainers, I went into the locker room and they had to cut the foam out of the front of the helmet and the helmet just slid on perfectly over the goose egg. And I finished the game. I was just like, you just got to do what you got to do. And, uh, and it made me, it triggered another story. Um, same thing. I got sent down from Binghamton in the American League to uh, Charlotte in the East Coast League. And then again, I don't know what makes me think, just, who's the toughest guy on the team? I got I to gotta, I gotta sort this out right now and get a contract. And um, I saw you interviewed uh, Jason Clark. I don't know if it was recently or, but I saw it on your Instagram. So I'm lining up with him, same thing, center ice. And uh, he did a number on me. He closed, by the time I had gotten to the penalty box, both my eyes were closed, completely shut. So I exit the game, signed, coach was happy. And uh, it was funny though, I had, uh, I, I couldn't drive my car, I had to leave it at the rink that night, which was kind of, kind of. he was a tough customer. I probably could have scouted the lineup a little bit better and went midway down, but I, I just made that mistake a couple times. I'll tell you what, yeah, we had Clarkie on the podcast because people were asking for somebody from the former Niagara Falls, uh, Niagara Falls Thunder, and that's who we landed on. But it's interesting because I was thinking about this when you told the goose egg story, Dave. And in, in talking to Clarky, he was he was very honest about kind of where he's at today, considering the way yeah. he played the game. How does the mature adult Dave Lilac feel about the kid that had the helmet modified so he could fit it over a goose egg and got back out there on the ice yeah it's a tough question because i got a 20 year old son who uh he liked fighting more more than i did he was playing junior b recently he went to a couple camps and uh, he's done now he's in school and uh he liked it but i that part of it i mean it was different i i was trying to do what i had to do and um you know, nowadays, my advice was to him that there's a time and a place. It's defending teammates at the time when he was in his camps. It's defending yourself. Same thing, Washer and the guys have been saying to you. So that I don't mind um, him doing, doing it just for the sake of it or anybody doing it just for the sake of it. I don't agree with, but um, I, I always think there's, there's something to be said for defending a teammate or yourself if it's uh, the right situation and um, kind of contradicts what I was saying. I was, trying to make a team and um, trying to impress people that have been doing this for decades, coaches and GMs. And at 16, you, you need that guidance. You need somebody to kind of, you know, I grew up with, uh, with Wayne Primo and I often think about in Whippy, how cool was it that he had Keith that already has been through all of this, seen everything good and bad in Niagara Falls. And uh, it's pretty cool when you have, you know, you're not just coming into the league as a really good player and a fan, but to have uh, kind of that, that guidance counselor to kind of, this is how it's going to be. This is what you need to be prepared for. And uh, this, this is how you handle these situations. And so it was, uh, it was a different time for sure. How did you first arrive in the game, Dave? And at what point along your journey did you realize that the Ontario Hockey League was a very real possibility for you? Um, another good question. The, I would say um, I was pretty average uh, going through minor hockey. And then at, at that 14, at, that um, minor Bantam, major Bantam, um, just really, really developed and felt passionate about it and, and uh, really successful. And 
playing junior B at 15, um, you know, having over a point a game, it, it's, it's a, it, no different than any walk of life. Um, confidence is the, is the biggest, biggest attribute you can have. And when you don't have it, things can go, whether you're working, doing what you do uh, or playing hockey. So when, when things were good, when I was playing junior B that year, you're getting the power play time, you're getting the ice time. Um, things are really good. And then it's the adversity as a young kid and sitting on the bench um, and having to, if you haven't dealt with that before, it, uh, it takes its toll on you. You gotta, you gotta grind through it and you learn. I just didn't learn. It took me a few years to, to adapt to that and then figure out not to take it personally. How are you going to, how are you going to deal with that, that situation? We kind of, we kind of joked earlier about suitcase, but you said it, it's a real term. And, and when, you know, you, you look at, you know, Dave Lilac's hockey DB page, you see all of the teams on there. What's it like being traded and do you ever get used to it? Um, it, it, uh, you don't get used to it. It definitely helps you develop thicker skin. Um, you get, uh, you're, you're, if you love something, you, it's, it's very similar. You don't get traded in the PGA, but you can be sent down to the corn Ferry tour. You can live out of a trunk of a car. Um, you're doing what you love to do and, uh, you're trying to find a place, you know, you go through that. I wouldn't want you to print it off cause you'd run out of paper. But, you know, you're, you're going through that list and you can see, um, you know, where you've where you've had a great situation. Like in San Antonio, I had, uh, you know, a lot of confidence. Still real young. Should have been playing pro hockey at 19, 20 in, in the States. Um, probably should have been in school. But I waited until I was done with hockey and then went back to school. But, um, you know, I thought I was a better player playing 10 years of senior hockey against uh, Corey Eisen and yet Kelly Corpse on and playing against those guys for a decade after I was 25 uh, till 35 than I was when I was playing junior and pro just as a player um, skill on the ice confidence um, going to a few Allen cups with uh, some good teams and, you know, having fun. Um, that's the biggest part of it. So it's uh yeah, it's just an evolving process. And then you take all of those things um, from your travels, the, the growing of the thick skin, and you apply them to your life. And that's kind of what I've done with my, my work career and just keep grinding. And uh, it helped me a lot coaching too, taking bits and pieces, uh, coaching AAA hockey uh, for boys and girls. Keep grinding sounds like a, a hockey term, but when you look back on on your resume in the game, Dave, it sounds like that's exactly what you were doing. You kind of, you were kind of grinding out that living as a hockey player. That's exactly what, it, that's exactly what it was. You know, you're, you want to be, you want to have the opportunity to play and you might be on some weaker teams, but then you want to, you want to have, um, when you get a taste of being on a Guelph versus St. Marie, um, you want to win. And my whole thing uh, when I finally quit in 2000 was I, I wanted a ring more than anything from the game. That's kind of what I wanted. I wanted to contribute and be a part of something that was a championship. And um, Tony and I were teammates in Phoenix in 2000 there in uh, the West Coast League, and we won a championship. And that was, uh, it was an easy way for me to say time, it's time to go back to school. You know, my dad pulled me aside years before that, um, Basically, and so the NHL is just getting further and further away. 
Um, although you think you're talented and everything else, but you're just go down there and have fun. Um, you're playing in some really cool cities and uh, enjoy the game for what it's worth. And you're getting to see uh, some really unique landscape across the country. And that's what I did for a few years. And I was fortunate uh, enough to be on a team in Phoenix, similar to that Guelph. It was just uh, really deep. We had about nine guys that had had a cup of coffee in the NHL and it was a great run and got our, we got our rings and uh, it's great memories. And where's the ring now? The ring is at home in the sock drawer. To be honest. In the sock drawer. <laughs> it's usually, uh, yeah, it gets moved around. Sometimes I'll wear it in the car. I don't wear it in public, but I sometimes I, uh, yeah, I'll wear it on the car drive to work or whatever. And yeah, it goes back in the sock drawer. I love it, Dave. We've talked to so many people uh, with the opportunity through this podcast about the bond that is really forged when you play on a championship team. Like we've already talked about all these great relationships and I get it from the time in the game, but when you have that opportunity to win the ultimate prize, that championship, that ring, there's something about the bond that forms with that team. Yeah. It lasts forever. And uh, I mean, no joking aside, I think the 93 Leafs, they, they, they celebrate like that with the conference final. Like I think it's even like a, um, a strong run, if you will, like uh, like the Guelph team's got a strong bond, and there's a dozen of us that live in the Guelph area still from that Guelph uh, Guelph team back in the '90s. The Phoenix team, uh, Kevin Epp is a player agent who I make a point of seeing him and his family uh, whenever I'm in Vancouver. So that's uh, that's going on, you know, 23 years, 22 years, um, and Facebook is something that is kind of gone on the wayside in the means of social media. I think it's for me, its purpose is it's kind of my hockey stay connected. Everybody's got an account um, saying happy birthday, reaching out to guys. I'm, I'm connected with so many guys from, and, and that's when that 10 year gap I talked about as well. So you had, you were in the rinks from the kids, and then uh, you got on Facebook and you're just like, you're seeing all your former teammates' lives that um, 50, 40, 50 years ago, you'd have to travel to see them face to face or, um, so it's really cool to see, you know, I, I haven't seen Tony since 2000, but I know everything that's going on in his life and his kids hockey and um, you check in and say hi once in a while and it's pretty cool. I'm embarrassed to say this, Dave, because I consider myself to be a little bit old school. When I started in radio, there was no internet. It was just starting to become a thing. Okay. But Facebook, that's how I got Tony Ob. <laughs> to this podcast because I saw Washer interacting with Tony. I'm like, wait a minute. I'd love to have Tony on the podcast. And so I'm going to connect with you and make it official there. And I'm going to find more of these, oh, <laughs> these guests to get on this podcast. You'll have about three years worth of material going through my <laughs> friend list. No, okay. it's, but it's, it's so cool to see, uh, you know, how guys are doing and um, getting married and having kids. And, and likewise for my family. Um, with my wife and my my son and my daughter is has a cycling career now that everybody likes to follow and comment on and uh, she's traveling around the world so it's it's really cool for people to check in and and, and do the same thing likewise I want to ask one more question about that ring because you mentioned it in the sock drawer you'll wear it in the car once in a while not in public when you put it on obviously there's a reason is it nostalgia like what do you think about when that ring slides onto your finger just what it took um, that year with that group of guys to achieve it. And um, 
you know, there's rings that you can win at different levels, whether it be the NFL, the NHL. When you win a championship, even guys would say this in the American Hockey League, you go through a path with a group of guys and you're just creating memories all the way along. And it's, it's just special. It's something, it's something to look at and just say, wow, what a year that was. And it's, um, it brings back great memories. And it's just a feeling of skating around a stadium with people in it and raising a cup above your head um, at any level. And it can be minor hockey. But um, it's just a special thing for a group of guys. And it's uh, very unique to hockey to have that piece of jewelry before they got all crazy like they had in Tampa. And I think they, the top's flipping open and stuff now. But um, yeah, it's just really, really cool. And uh, just it's a, it's a memory bank. From, from a special year. So yours isn't going to be on an auction block somewhere for a hundred thousand plus. I don't think it's worth it or it ever will be. So I think it's probably worth more uh, to me and, you know, maybe there's some, some more down the road with, uh, with coaching. I really enjoyed it and uh, uh, was pretty passionate about uh, being on the bench for, for the last 10 years. When you mentioned uh, West coast league before, I can't believe I almost let it slip my mind. A real, rarity if not an oddity in major junior we talk about the Sioux to north bay to guelph oh wait a minute right at the very end you're in the dub with regina like how did that happen so it's interesting so the um back then the western hockey league was allowed three overagers and the ohl was only having two um so i was down in charlotte till about christmas time and um really really good team um they were uh, they were stacking up and playing time was getting more limited. Uh, you only had 10 forwards. I think you could dress as opposed to the 12. Anyways, Rich Preston, who coached with, uh, he coached Regina with, uh, he was old former teammates with John Marks, the coach of Charlotte. And John just asked me, do you want to go, do you want to go give this a try and leave your car, leave everything here? And uh, I was like, yeah, I want to play. So, uh, so I flew out there. And literally got off the plane, um, played a couple of games, I think, at home. And then we went on a 21-day road trip, pure Western Hockey League stuff. And I remember we went, uh, you know, Swift Current or Lethbridge, right up uh, to Prince George, all the way down. You know, you're, you're going through uh, Kamloops into Spokane, the whole, the whole trip. The, um, it was a great experience. They, were, they had a few of us that were older guys. When we got back after Christmas, it just wasn't, they were asking us if we wanted to go elsewhere, um, trading off a few of the older guys. They had a bunch of uh, really, really talented young guys. Kyle Calder, um, trying to think of the other kid's name, Morris, who was a defenseman, uh, had a great NHL career. Derek Morris, he was, uh, he's retired now. They had a bunch of these young guys, and um, they were very respectful. They were asking three or four of us if they could, and I had just had enough at that point and uh, said, you know, I'm not from here. It was a great experience and uh, came back and finished the, the season in Ontario and went back to Charlotte again that next fall. It was a different, it was a different world out there, though. You got to see more faces that you'd heard of. So it's uh, Rocky Thompson, Wade Belak, like you're skating around going, oh, I've heard of these guys. And, uh, you know, you're warming up separately because of the foonery that happened 20 years prior where guys were stealing each other's nets. And so I, that was really weird. I, was, I mean, I'm, I'm going out there. I was like, why are we warming up an hour before the game? And they're like, well, we're on the road. 
we we did warm up separately. It's uh, pretty unique. What was the the craziest experience you were ever a part of, be it pregame, during a game? Because you're you're still in that era that we've touched on, where you know line brawls or bench clearing brawls weren't necessarily uncommon. Yeah, they happen. Um, I'm just trying to think of, of anything specific. I mean, it's uh, there was uh, there was an, an exhibition game in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, I was in Binghamton and Ryan Vandenbush. Uh, there was a little bit of a line brawl. The Ferrero, Chris and Peter Ferrero, uh, they were super skilled players, and, and one of them had instigated uh, with a spear, and it kind of started a bit of a line brawl. And it was it was the uh, I don't know what the example would be. It was, it was the the, the goriest fight I've seen, uh, Ryan beating up Ryan Sittler, who was Philadelphia's first round pick. I think he was seventh overall. And uh, it was messy. I actually don't know if Ryan played uh, much after that. But uh, um, Sittler, I mean, Ryan Vandenbush was as tough as they come. But uh, I mean, that was pretty gruesome. There was, it just seemed like line brawls were pretty popular. I, only, I had only experienced one bench clearing brawl. It was actually in junior B. And yeah, it's uh, it's probably the scariest thing because you don't know, you don't know. There's only three refs, and they're kind of standing off, and so you're policing yourself. Um, I was trying to think if that was uh, yeah, it was in Welland, Welland Junior B, but um, yeah, for the most part, I mean, you know, as you mature and you're getting older, you know who the guys are. Uh, you learn as you're going along. You learn how to not wake guys up that like to be woken up and usually create those uh those things but um it was a tougher for sure like I, these kids don't have to go through um that mental preparation of you want to have a good game you want to skate well you want to finish your checks and they've got five guys over there that are just absolutely frothing at the mouth to to maybe get in your bench or you know you go into Sudbury I remember we were talking earlier so they had Capel, Simon Sherry um, and the list just went on and on and on. And they, they were just a tough, tough group. And I remember uh, Pat Barton and I were talking and looking at videos a while back. And that was my first game was in Sudbury with Walt. And you're older. And I jumped over a crowd of guys. And who did I grab? Simon Sherry. He just happened to be the toughest guy. So it was just like he had uh, gone after Jeff Williams behind the net. And I didn't even realize this when it was happening. But he went after Jeff, um, who I was a line mate with at the time. And there was a bit of a scrum and I dive over it grab Simon Sherry and you get up against the glass and you're like when you're going to the box that's your oh shit moment right like because you, you know you're going to come out of the box and you got to pay the piper so it's um yeah it's just an intimidating game it was uh you had to be you had to be prepared for it mentally and physically whereas now I think the kids they just they just go out and play and they just worry about their own skill set and what they need to do and and play hard when you look back at videos from those days i saw a couple on youtube too before we started chatting here today uh what do you think of of yourself as that young hockey player I, i'm happy like i told you before there there's regrets i had so much skill that you look at it was just and i talked about confidence before and i just couldn't figure out in a couple of years there how to put it all together and you know like o'neill would always tell me um, it's not what you want to hear, but you know you have it in, in practice, just being able to do things at a higher level than most people. 
but it's, it's getting it into the game. It's having the confidence and getting the ice time to play with the players um, that can have that success. So I'm not, I don't regret anything. I, I did what I needed to do as a kid. I was passionate. Like I told you, I was a big fan and that probably got me most of where I got is that passion. You can give up easy. I've seen a lot of guys um, when the going gets tough, they give up. And so I'm proud of that. I, didn't, I never gave up. And yeah, sure. I wish, you know, if I, I wish I did things a little bit differently and got to stay in the Sioux. You're, the team that drafts you is generally the most loyal team to you. And they, uh, you know, once that's gone and at a really young age, that's when the, the bouncing around starts. You know, you've got draft picks every year that come in. And um, so the fight started right away uh, to try and stay on a club and, and uh, you know, find a family that you can contribute to. And that was uh, ended up being Walt at the end, which was a good ending, to be honest with you. I've got a real soft spot for the Sioux. I'm not really sure why, but great people up there. I've loved everything the organization has done, certainly uh, in my time in the league. Do you ever get back up, see a game there? I have never been since, uh, since 19, well, except for going back there with Guelph, I guess. So the last time I was there would have been uh, 95. But, okay. Uh, you're 100% right. It was a very unique place. If any parent today had a son get drafted there, I would encourage them to go all day long. It was, um, it was a place like no other. Like when you're a greyhound, uh, it would be like being a leaf. It's, um, you're treated first class. The billet families were rich in history. Um, it was a community within, within a community, being a greyhound. I just wish I got to experience it more than uh, the four or five months that I was up there. And in that brief time, Ted Nolan was your coach. We didn't really get into that a whole lot. Yeah. Do you take anything away from him in that brief time? He was just so classy. You could, he was, um, it's all the things you heard. He was a player's coach and uh, Danny Flynn, who I've heard referenced was, uh, he, they were a great team. Danny was very technical. Um, Ted did know how to get the most out of you. I heard Tony, Tony would have a lot more uh, experience with Ted than I did, but Ted cared about his players. Um, he had personal, like he was friends with those guys, a lot of those older guys in that team. And um, yeah, he was a legend. I remember when I met him at the draft and to get my picture taken with him. Um, but he always came, he always came around and talked to everybody. Um, kind of like how I talked about Craig and um, nobody was bigger like Ted. He would talk to me and kind of my, what made me feel really good was I, I saw Ted in Guelph the uh, few years later, you know, and it was, uh, he went out of his way. We talked, we were on the rail at the arena before the game. And it just kind of brought things back to, you know, it, it's not personal. It's, uh, they were trying to win a Memorial Cup. A couple of us went that way. They brought in two of the best players in the league and they won it in, in Chad Penny and Wade Gibson. But it's, uh, he's so iconic, Ted, that you, you wish you were a part of his, that, that, uh, that journey with, with him as a coach. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it took me some, some time to get over that. You talk about just being there on the rail, having a chat with, uh, with Ted Nolan. It just makes me think of the reference you made earlier to doing some scouting with the Guelph Storm. What's it like for you being in a rink today? Yeah, so that, um, it was about 10 years ago, and I was talking with Mike Kelly, who's just been phenomenal uh, with me and my family all the years past, uh, past 95. Um, 
even when he went to Windsor, I'd stop in for a coffee in his office in Windsor and, you know, he'd ask how you're doing. And you're also proud to tell him, you know, I'm doing well. And my son's doing well at the time. And my daughter was on her way. And um, so a few years went by, Mike came back to Guelph and um, I said, Mike, I'm working in Michigan permanently now. I'm commuting uh, with the, the company I used to work for. And I was like, I'm just sitting in my hotel room. I'm going to restaurants. I could, I'd love to spend some more time in the ring. So he got me all hooked up uh, with the computer program. I got the coat and the clipboard. It's a pretty funny story, actually, my first game that I did down there. So I go down, super pumped. Just, you know, I'm down there, I'm working. I'm going to go watch a couple of games. So I go watch CompuWare, uh, Major Bantams. And I'm like, Jesus, this one kid's just flying around. And it's like, I think I found like a, a diamond in the rough here. And uh, so I'm watching, I'm watching, watching. I come back. And later on, I didn't realize, like, Mike watches four or 500 games a year. Like, he's seen every, every player um, a number of times. So he was kind of teaching me. It's like, you can't really evaluate a player until you've seen and taken some notes, you know, three, four, five times. And then you, you compare your notes. And I, thought, I found that really interesting going through that process. So anyways, a few months later, I'm at the Silver Stick in Whitby. And this kid that I had saw is called up to the minor midget CompuWare team. I go over to the rink, I'm all pumped up to see this kid that I had been watching down in Michigan. Well, the arena at Iroquois Park in Whitby was about three rows deep and it was uh, the defenseman, Sean Day, and uh, that was the player. And so, and Mike's to say, yeah, it, was a, it wasn't hard for you to notice how good he is. He's probably gonna be an exceptional status player. So Mike had a, a laugh at it, but that was the, but I thought that Wednesday or Tuesday night I was down in Michigan, I was like, wow, I think I got one here. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. But there is a uh, scouting's tough. I, I give Washer a lot of credit. It's um, like I said, the the skill level of all the kids um, across the whole lineup. It's it's they're all super talented. You know, they're toe dragon. They they can shoot. They can score. I think it would have been much easier to identify players in in uh, my era and when you were watching. I mean, he's a tough guy. He's a he's a goal scorer. He's uh, He's a stay-at-home defenseman. He gets the puck off the glass and out regularly. And that's the type of, I, you know what I mean? So there were those characters in the game were very easy to identify and you could, you could select one that you, where you needed to fill that gap. You know, it's, it's great to hear that um, reference to Mike Kelly and how he kind of took care of you, so to speak, still can be in touch. You know, you want to do some scouting, I'm going to hook you up. Uh, I got to know Mike a lot better his second time through Guelph and I have nothing but great things to say about the guy. And now it makes me think, you know, we talk about these coaches, Dave, with Nolan to Templeton to Hartsburg, Sherry Basson as an executive in the Sioux, Mike Kelly, an executive in Guelph. You didn't do too bad on that uh, department either. No, if you, yeah, I've, I've experienced the greatest of the game and uh, a couple of comments more about Craig, but Sherry was, uh, Sherry had, you know, in that brief time I was there, we did, uh, we had an early road trip going through my hometown of Oshawa. Um, was really neat. Sherry cared a lot. He made sure you got time with your family and everybody could come down to the bus after. And we ate at uh, uh, the Bass and the Hound. I believe he had his own restaurant um, down, right down by the 401. And we'd have team meals there and, you know, he'd get us, we'd all take all of our own dishes in after. And he's just a, you know, it, it was just kind of like a family. And uh, he let us use his restaurant. He was great to everybody. And he was a legend from what he had done, accomplished in Oshawa and um, Sault Ste. Marie. It's kind of like a, like a Scotty Bowman, some of these guys, what they accomplished at the junior levels. And 
Craig, though, to, to finish off with those guys is uh, just I've never met anybody and all the coaches that I had. They're all great in their different ways. But Craig was um, the preparation that went into that season uh, on a daily basis. I had never been a part of something like that um, where it was just every single day there was a there was intensity. Um, we'd have fun. We wanted to have fun. But uh, for the most part, there was a plan every every week. Uh, down to every day and um, yeah everybody bought in but there was a ton of respect as there is for all those coaches um, but Guelph was just a, a unique year and um, yeah Craig on Facebook and, and messaging uh, Mike Kelly uh, his whole family and, and Jim Ernie was uh, one of the owners there at the time close-knit group still after all these years it's, it's pretty cool. If we were to take the championship season out of the equation for obvious reasons, because it's going to bias you that, that much. Uh, did you have a favorite spot stop along the way in terms of even the location you were playing in at the time? Yeah. I mean, well, there's been a lot, as you know, Mike, <laughs> um, but uh, I guess, I guess to answer that there'd be different spots for different reasons. When you have success on the ice, um you your whole outlook on everything is is different so you're you're happy you're happy off the ice you're happy on the ice um san antonio was one of those years i was uh 20 turning 21 um having a ride on the ice grew up with a we had a bunch of young guys there we played golf every day um you go down to the river walk it's a really cool part it's a major city with a minor league hockey team you know so that was uh that was that was that was a lot of fun and you know and uh, memphis and, and phoenix were another couple cities that are they have major league sports teams and uh, but yet a minor league hockey team so they were you know you go down to beale street or a few uh, old scottsdale and phoenix um you're pretty lucky to to be able to experience that stuff but i'd say um the guelph is my home today um you know from the junior stops and I, and I see the uniqueness of the Sioux. I wish I had more time there, but uh, Guelph's, Guelph's great. You know, it's uh, right down the road from Toronto. It's got its own identity. And um, I felt like I've been a part of the Storm family um, since the day it ended. So, you know, you go and uh, Todd and Jeff's jerseys are retired and we get alumni events, we get together. Uh, so there's a lot of great guys that are in Stilltown, uh, Andrew Long and Brian Wilson. And so it's a, it's a really tight knit group. I know you've got a, a run to get to, and I'm pointing that out because I want to be shamed publicly about this. I was chirping you just before we got started on this. He said, I'm, I'm on a road with a business trip, but I'm still going for a run before our dinner. Before you do that, uh, what keeps you busy these days, Dave? What are you up to? So it's a great, uh, I've been, we've been in rinks for the last 10 years with both kids and um, it's kind of died down. COVID kind of put everything to a halt. My son was even just playing uh, some junior B and junior C recently. So he's, uh, he's on a path. He owns a construction company and, uh, and at Conestoga College. My daughter, Kira, who we've been extremely busy with, uh, she's uh, a team candle cyclist for road and velodrome on the track. So we were in Israel in August uh, watching her at the World Junior Championships. And then uh, she went on to Sydney, Australia for the road World Junior Championships. So we've been... We're pretty busy with her her cycling career, and uh, she got a scholarship down to Brevard, North Carolina. She so she had to defer. She'll start there. We'll take her down in January. Other than that, I I like a lot of guys trying to work on uh, uh, 
maybe a helpless, but a passion for golf. So that season's coming to an end. So we, uh, we keep pretty busy doing that. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's slowed down a little bit with the, I miss the hockey. I miss going to the rinks and uh, the minor hockey kind of start up to the season, the early bird tournaments and whatnot. I miss that a lot. Yeah, uh, I, I feel the same way. So we're just having this conversation, getting back into a new season. And it's a season that feels normal because, you know, we're going to play Eastern Conference teams this year and you're going to see all the other teams in the league and there aren't any COVID protocols, at least not yet. Knock on some wood. But uh, there is something special to that rhythm when a hockey season starts. That's for sure. It's there's I don't know what it is. There's a switch. There's a smell in the air. Labor Day weekend. It's kind of like Bozier pool. The leaves are going to turn and it's, I, I love it. It's my favorite time of year. you got all kinds of sports going on. And um, I wish the NHL kind of started a little bit earlier. It's a, it's a long preseason to kind of, you got other sports to, to keep you going, but it's um, yeah, it's an exciting time of year. I miss it. I, that's what you, what I really miss is when you had, when we were kids, your rep tryouts for, I remember it was double A and Whippy. Uh, we're in the fall. So you just went all summer and then you'd have that labor day tryouts and then you go right into a season with your new team um, where they do everything in the spring now but it was just kind of that trigger point you'd get so excited all summer to uh to start that that winter hockey season it's a good time here i missed you by about five years or so in guelph that was my first broadcasting stop and it wasn't long after you were playing there this has been so much fun though catching up with you really appreciate you dave making time for us on this podcast thanks for doing this yeah mike thanks for reaching out it was uh, it was an honor it was great to talk about some old stories and uh, yeah, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad and uh, looking forward to following out all your other podcasts with all the guys. Next time that the, the Rangers are in Guelph and you're there, just barge right into that broadcast booth. Okay. There's no, no security. You just come right on and say, Hey, I'm Dave Lilac and I want to talk to that Farwell guy. I'm going to take you up on that and I will get down to some games for sure. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.